Gracious Father, we pray to you, our holy King. Please open the eyes of our hearts this morning that as the psalmist says, we might behold wondrous things in your word. And Father, we know that without the glasses of the Holy Spirit, your Bible is a blind book to us. Spiritual truths that can only be spiritually discerned. So Yahweh, our God, please take the scales off our eyes this morning that we might hear what your holy word says and understand with our hearts. That we might believe it, love it, and obey it. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus, the Word became flesh. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Now, before we dive into today's sermon, let me refresh you where we are in our series on the character of God. Remember in week one, we learned God has a name, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious. Last week, we learned God has no equal. He's holy, holy, holy. This week, God has a word. God has a word. And you might be wondering, well, what does God's word have to do with his character? Well, think of it like this. Someone's word is always an extension of who they are. So think about human words. When you hear someone that you don't know speaking kind words, you can gather they're probably a kind person, right? If you overhear someone speaking really angry words, they might be someone who has a temper. So your word, its tone, its volume, and especially its contents, your word reveals who you are. And the same is true of God. Out of the heart, the lips speak. The lips are the window to the soul, and out of God's Word, He reveals who He is. So remember, whenever you learn something new this morning about God's Word, you're also learning something true about God Himself. Every truth about God's Word is also true about the God who speaks it. And today, we'll be exploring three descriptors for God's Word. It's powerful, it's authoritative, and it's delightful. Let's begin with the first adjective. God's Word is powerful. Now, by the word powerful, I I don't mean that God's Word is, is merely inspirational. Because you might hear a rousing speech or TED Talk or a beautiful poem and say to yourself, wow, that was really powerful. That's not what I mean, because God's Word has power that's on a whole another level. God's Word being powerful means it, it actually has real power to alter reality, to command diseases to be gone, and, and demons to flee, and creation to exist, and, and all of the cosmos is bound to obey the power of God's Word. God has real power in His Word to do stuff. Listen to these three passages about God's power in His Word to give you a little preview 
to whet your appetite for the power of His Word. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like fire, declares Yahweh, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? God's word is powerful. Isaiah 55, verses 10 to 11 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word is powerful to accomplish its purposes. Psalm chapter 29, verses 4 through 9 says, The voice of Yahweh is powerful. The voice of Yahweh is full of majesty. The voice of Yahweh breaks the cedars. Yahweh breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of Yahweh flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of Yahweh shakes the wilderness. Yahweh shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of Yahweh makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare, and in His temple all cry glory. Yahweh's voice, His word is powerful to actually do stuff. God's not like us. Isn't this so different from your human experience with words? Like some of you might have spoken this morning with very limited power in your words to say, I hope it doesn't snow this morning. Your words and my words, they have zero impact on whether it will snow or whether it won't. Your words can merely express a wish. Not so with God. His holy word is powerful to create what it speaks the moment it leaves his lips. And the power of God's word begins in the first verses of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, notice God uses his word to say, let there be light, and poof, light automatically existed in obedience to God's Word. And this is how, in Genesis, God creates everything in the entire universe. It's His Word. God spoke to create galaxies and planets and plants and animals and landscapes and people. Our universe is here Illinois is here. You are here because God opened His mouth and spoke. His Word has power. God's so powerful, He doesn't need a hammer or a paintbrush to create. He doesn't need His angel army and His creative process. He's not like us. When God wants to build stuff, He doesn't have to go to Home Depot. 
God's so powerful. All he needed to do was to speak his word to create his world. The Bible celebrates this fact constantly. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of Yahweh, the heavens were made. Romans 4, 17 says, God calls into existence the things that do not exist. And Hebrews eleven three says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. God's Word is powerful to create everything in our universe. In John chapter 1, the first verse is not of the Old Testament, but the New Testament, we gain even more insight into how God's Word created the world. John 1 says it this way, In the beginning was the Word And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh, Jesus, and dwelt among us. In other words, in creation, what this verse means is when God the Father spoke, let there be light, metaphorically, Jesus was the Word who exited His mouth to make it happen. I'll say that again. God the Father thought in His mind to say, let there be light, and as He spoke, Jesus was the Word who exited His lips to accomplish His will. Jesus is God's Word in creation, poetically, in John chapter 1. And just like how in Genesis, God's Word accomplished God the Father's plans, in the Gospels, God's Word, Jesus, again accomplishes God the Father's plans of salvation through His perfect life, His sacrificial death, and His victorious resurrection. God's Word always accomplishes His will. It's as if 2,000 years ago, God the Father spoke Jesus, and then His Word came out from His mouth and into the Virgin Mary's womb. Metaphorically, Jesus went out into the world from the Father's lips to accomplish all His plans. God's Word is powerful because God's Word is also Jesus. So the Word of God then has three forms. It's spoken, it's written, and it's incarnate. An audible voice, a written Bible, and a person, Jesus Christ. This is the Word of God. And after Jesus, the Word was born in the flesh, because Jesus is God too, Jesus' Word is also God's Word. I'll give you just a few examples from Jesus' earthly ministry of the power of His Word. Mark 4.39 says, Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. 
and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. When Jesus speaks God's word, just like in creation, reality obeys. Jesus also miraculously healed people through his word. In Luke 5, 13, when Jesus interacts with a leper, someone with an ancient lethal disease, so think of stage four cancer, all Jesus had to do was speak, be clean, and he was instantly. In John 11, all Jesus had to do was speak to cause a dead man, Lazarus, to rise from the grave. All of the power of God is contained in the Word of God. So what does this mean for your life? Why does God's Word being powerful matter in in 2023? Well, when you read your Bible, know that the same power of God that created the universe that caused demons to flee, diseases to be healed, creation to exist, is in this book. This is why it's, it's so crucial that you read your Bible every day, because if you don't, you're missing out on the power of God. God's Word has the power to give you peace when you're anxious, to give you hope when you're depressed, to give you purpose when you're aimless. God's Word has the power to give you joy in His presence. Most important of all, God's Word has the power of salvation to teach you of the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, to instruct you how to live a life of repentant faith in Him, to a renewed and right relationship with God, sealed forever for His kingdom. Remember Romans 10, 17. It's hearing God's Word that has the power to build up your faith, to strengthen your relationship with Him. But all of this only works if you listen, if you open up your Bible So many people look for special revelation from God while it sits on their bookshelf gaining dust. Don't ever complain that that God's not speaking to you if your Bible is closed. If you're a Holy Spirit person, remember that the Holy Spirit was the specific person of the Trinity who wrote the Bible through the pens of human men. When you read the Bible, God's Spirit is speaking to you firsthand in all His splendor. And don't get me wrong, of course, continue to listen to God's voice in in prayer from encouragements from other believers who have God's Spirit inside of them. Continue to pursue the Holy Spirit's gift of the prophetic. But even more, read your Bibles daily because God's power abides within. Next, we have a slightly different but a related truth. God's Word is authoritative. It has authority. And it's especially authoritative when it comes to truth. You know, different from what the culture says, 
Guys, there's no such thing as your truth or my truth. It's only God's truth. Only God's word can define what is true from what is false, what is right from what is wrong, what is fact, and what is fiction. A truth-telling God has a truth-telling word. In John 17, 17, Jesus prays to his Father, your word is truth. Psalm 119, 160 says, the sum of God's word is truth. This means whenever you open your Bible, you have a 100% guarantee that all of God's word is 100% true 100% of the time. So, beware of deciding what's true based on other sources. Sources that can and do make mistakes from time to time. Just because you did a, a random Google search or read a random book or article online that might claim to be Christian, it doesn't mean that it's automatically true. A matter of Christian faith is only true if you can point to a chapter and verse in God's holy word. This is the authority. Beware of of trusting blindly what a church says, what a pastor says, even what a Bible commentary says, without seeing for yourself within these authoritative pages. And of course, enjoy the help of these people and resources. They're invaluable, especially your local church, but only to the extent that they point you within the ultimate authority, God's Word in His Bible. Now, if you're considering what to believe on a matter of faith, so don't just believe whatever you were taught growing up. Don't even blindly believe what what I tell you from the pulpit. Make your primary source of truth not the internet, but the interconnected Word of God. So beware of blindly trusting other sources. Beware also of blindly trusting your emotions. My apologies to Walt Disney, but the Christian journey is not to follow your heart or to follow your feelings. Instead, it's to follow God's feelings as revealed by His Spirit and His Word. Martin Luther says it best in a little rhyme He says, feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. You see, sometimes God's truth and your feelings, they won't match. It'll happen from time to time. And at that point, you have a choice. Who will you believe? God or yourself. You see, God's Word is not only about knowledge, it's relational. God's Word has authority not just over the truth, but over you, over your personal life of what you are to believe and obey. Now, when you're a Christian then, and if you do find things in the Bible from time to time that you just don't like, 
You read a passage, let's be honest, from time to time, and it just doesn't sit well with you. When this happens, I want to give you an example of how you could pray to process this appropriately. You could tell God something like this. Dear God, I'll be honest with you. Right now, God, I I don't like what I'm reading in your word. I just feel differently from what the Bible says here. But God, I humbly acknowledge that when you and I disagree, God, the problem is not with your word. The problem must be with me because you are a holy, authoritative God and I am not. So God, even when I can't understand your reasons, I will still accept the authority of your word because God, I can trust the goodness of your heart and I can trust the truth of your voice. So God, I commit to believe and obey everything I find in your Bible. No matter how strange or unsettling it might feel, because, God, you have earned my trust. And, Father, I ask that you would change my heart and illuminate my mind so that I can increasingly understand and appreciate even the difficult truths in your word. Amen. These are the thoughts of of emotions you could pray to God to honestly and transparently express how you feel while still submitting to the authority of God's true word. In my own personal life as as a teenager, I used to read the Bible just one verse at a time, kind of seeing as I went what I liked, what I didn't like. But in college, something, something changed for me. I prayed something to the effect of this prayer I just recited for you, committing to submit and believe even the things I didn't like in the Bible. And let me tell you, it it changed everything. I found that my closeness with God reached new heights that I, I had never experienced before because for the first time, I was imperfectly but sincerely submitting to God's kingship, to the authority of his true word over my life. If you're a Christian who tends to feel distant in your relationship with God, there can be many reasons, but one possible reason might be because you haven't yet committed to fully submit to the authority of God's word in your life, to believe and obey all that it says. Do you know where the English word understand comes from? Understand means to stand under the authority of what's true. And you can only fully understand God and His Word when you commit to stand under the authority of His Word in your life. To believe, to love, and to do what it says. So Fox Valley, if if you want to understand God, will you stand under God's word with me and its authority over your life? Because even when you can't understand God's reasons, you can trust his heart and you can trust his voice. If this is you, if you agree, 
if you're committed to stand under God's word, I invite you now to stand with me and to hold up your Bible or your smartphone over your head. This is a visible symbol of us being a church that wants to understand God by standing under its truth over our lives. So look around the room. This is a picture that God the Father would be so pleased with, to see His people lovingly submitting to His loving authority over their lives. Thank you for understanding God's Word with me. Please be seated. Last but not least, God's Word is delightful. It's delightful. Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now, in ancient culture in the Near East, believe it or not, this would have been tough. Sugarcane was not yet discovered. They didn't have sugar. So what was the sweetest food in existence? It was honey. This was all they had. Honey was the ultimate dessert, the sweetest candy, the tastiest treat in ancient times. So I want you right now to imagine in your mind your very favorite dessert. This is how delightful the Word of God can be to His children. God's Word is sweeter than Moose Tracks ice cream, It's sweeter than chocolate chip cake. It's sweeter than the ripest fruit basket on a nice summer day. It's delightful. Now, if you only view reading the Bible as a chore and not a dessert, you'll never enjoy it. You might do it, but it will never be enjoyable to you. Instead, whenever it's time for you to to read your Bible... I want you to mentally view it, not as something you are doing, but something that God is doing to you. God is the one speaking and acting, and all you're doing when you're reading your Bible is receiving from your good father a tasty dessert. This simple mindset shift can make all the difference. Bible reading is not homework that God assigns, it's a dessert that He serves. The more you understand how delightful the Bible is, the more motivated you'll become to create healthy habits to enjoy it regularly. God's Word is sweeter than the sweetest honey. And God's Word is also the main course. Jesus once said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out from the mouth of God. According to Jesus, then, the Bible isn't only knowledge to get into your brain, it's milk and meat. The Word of God in your Christian life is bread. It's daily food to sustain you, to grow you, to allow you to endure in your faith. All right, let's land the plane here. On my 11th birthday, my parents gave me my 
my very first big kid Bible, and I hold it right here. And to this day, this is a gift that's very precious to me because of what my parents wrote on the inside cover. They wrote, To Coley Boy by Mom and Dad, our prayer is that you would know God and the joy that comes from serving Him. You see, my parents understood that the way for me to best know God is to have a Bible in my hands, to study, meditate on, memorize, and obey God's Word. Fox Valley, this is my prayer for you, that you would increasingly know God as you live by His powerful, authoritative, delightful Word. Let's pray. Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Since your word, God, is powerful, authoritative, and delightful, we worship you, God, because you are a God of power. You're a God with authority and truth. Father, you are delightful. And Father, please help us with our doubts. God, you know that in the same way Eve was tempted, to doubt the truth of your word before she committed the first sin, we face the same temptation today to doubt whether your word is true. And Father, we thank you that you dwell with your people through your word. In Exodus, God, you put your word, the Ten Commandments, in the middle of the camp with your Shekinah glory to show that your word dwells with your people. So then in John 1, God, we thank you that we learned that Jesus became the Word who dwelt among us. And today, God, as we have Bibles in our laps and hands, we're reminded your Word is still with us. God, you truly are a God of faithful promises. Your Word will never fail. We worship you now in response. In the name of the Word became flesh, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.